Intersection is brought to you by Social Health Institute, exploring new and innovative ways for hospitals and healthcare organizations to develop and enhance their social media and digital marketing strategies. Learn more at socialhealthinstitute.com. You know, quite frankly, people are worried about eating and living inside. They're not worried about their health. Uh, and I, I hate that. I wish that wasn't exactly the case. So a lot of places we go, you know, they may feel like they just, they're not sick right now. That's a medical model, and that we're trying to change that. Welcome to Intersection. I am Bobby Ratu, storyteller. Want to start recording? All right, whenever. As you may be aware, this is our third unit. So we started off in the apple farms in Oconee County years and years and years ago. The governor, then governor of the state of South Carolina had a unit. I never thought I'd find myself taking a tour of a mobile health clinic, which is more of a visual tour, yet only recording the audio. But that is how this just so happened to transpire. After arriving to see this large vehicle, larger than the biggest rider truck I've ever seen, Dr. Paula Watt just showed me around, so I hit record. In part one of this mobile medicine series, episode 17, I sat down inside the mobile health clinic and talked about the background and vision for the future. Sitting inside felt more like a small doctor's office, with lots of examination rooms side by side. By the way, if you have not listened to part one, I hope you go back and listen. But in this episode, part two focuses on the magnitude of this mobile health clinic, both in size and impact. Trust me, when this mobile health clinic rolls up in your community, you will not miss it. You will think that the Clemson football team is coming to play. It is a moving Clemson billboard with every possible amenity to serve the community's health needs. Join me as we take a tour right inside the heart of Clemson University's campus. So when we got the money to do this, Senator Thomas Alexander and his counterpart in Charleston wanted to find ways. They really loved what we were doing. In Charleston, they had a mobile health clinic, and they wanted to find a way to get the two schools to to work more together somehow. Two schools being? MUSC and Clemson. So MUSC and their mobile mammography unit specifically, we're, they're in 13 counties in the low state. We're in four upstate counties. How could we do more of what we do and expand it, you know, statewide? More, more at least more in the upstate and more in the low state, but is there anything you can do together? And lo and behold, basically what came out of that is we went looking for a unit that could do everything we wanted. That We were looking for operational efficiency. We were looking for flexibility. We were looking for sustainability, durability. We were looking for all of that. And so in doing that, we found a mobile manufacturer that she started out as an ultrasound technology a technologist, and she was on a mobile health clinic in Guess where? In South Carolina, in the low state. Now she operates out of out of Wyoming and out of California, and she's an inter, she bills internationally. But that was where her first job was, and she's from Augusta, Georgia. So she was very excited to get on board with this because we told her all these weird things we wanted, and she was the only one that could, would say, "Yeah, we'll find a way to make it work," and she did. So when you look at this unit, not only are you looking at something that's really pretty and, and is very striking when it goes down the road, it's a rolling billboard for Clemson University, right? That's exactly what it is. But it also has all of these different things. We asked for seven different things, and she delivered on all of it. So we're looking at Clemson University's mobile health clinic. On the side of it, it says, world's first 100% solar-powered health clinic. I want you to describe this for the people that 
you want them to stand right here and visualize what this looks like and what this feels like. So for the solar power, you can't, right? Because it's on the roof and you can't even see it. But there are eight solar panels on the roof of this and they completely charge the batteries that takes care of everything in the clinic. So if we have eight or 10 different computers going, if we, any of the equipment that we're running, everything, including, you know, down to the, to the laboratory equipment, everything runs off the solar power, which is phenomenal. So this is a, basically a big old fat truck on four wheels. It looks like a massive rider truck that is painted like Clemson with two awnings that come out. It reminds me of an RV because it's got an extension on one side for an extra room on the right. So it's, it, it has extensions on both sides? Well, no, it has the, so you're talking about the slide out. Yeah. So it's a 20, she actually bought this truck and had it extended. We wanted a specific truck with a specific motor with a specific engine, I mean a specific um, trans, transmission. What's up? You coming, what, you gonna hang out with us? Meeting. Aww. You're hanging out with good pizza. What's up, girl? Are you in the drink? That's all. All right, I don't want to interrupt. Excellent. Oh, we're having you fun. Doing all right? We're having fun. Okay, cool. So, where were we? We were talking. We were talking about the truck and how she, she actually did it, but we, we wanted a specific engine, a specific transmission. We were looking for durability. So, she went and found like the last one, literally, for the last one that had been built exactly like what we wanted and then had it extended. Built this box on the back of it. And her, you know, the industry is very different. There's lots of different ways to build a mobile clinic. But she built the box on the back of this, put a 20-foot slide on a 23-foot box. And so the entire thing almost doubles in size. So that was unusual within itself, which is something that we wanted to be able to do. And because we teach so many different kinds of students and do so many different types of services, we needed that flexibility that we could either use it for a classroom or we could use it to teach, ed do health education in the community. We've done things like yoga classes. I mean, we've done a little bit of everything on it. So the entire thing can be open an open space all the way down to she built us flexible walls so that we could um, divide that up into true exam rooms. So we can go from a bathroom and one large room to six rooms and a bathroom if we want to. I mean, we have any combination of that we can do. So it just allows us to do so much more and so many different kinds of things and things we haven't even thought about yet. On the exterior, she wanted us to be able to use it as well because we talk about farm fields. We needed a four-wheel, this is a six-by-wheel actually, but we needed a four-wheel drive to be able to get out of the farm fields because it costs us money when we go somewhere. So she built it on, a, on that platform so that we could do that. Put the two awnings on both sides so we have an extension. We can work under both sides of the awning also, which also again doubles our space. We have a, a video monitor on this side, which we can, we can go around and look at that. We have a video monitor on the side that opens up and it, and it operates off our computer and allows us to show health education or, or you know, any kind of tailgating that we might possibly want to do. We, um, we know how to tailgate around here. We know how to tailgate around here and, and we've, we've actually done that. We've, we have participated sometimes in some of the tailgates and let people see what we've got here. So that makes it a, another kind of an unusual thing. So, so what we're looking at right here, we're on the side where the extension is. So this would be the passenger side traditionally of a vehicle where you see the actual side of the vehicle, kind of like an RV where it extends out. There's probably a, maybe a 47 to 52 inch uh, television that pops open so you can look at stuff. There's storage areas underneath like you traditionally see like an RV. 
Of course, there's a big tiger face on the side of it, but we are also standing under an, an awning like she was talking about. Uh, so kind of this flexible workspace again, like you were talking about. Right, and you can do a little bit of everything out here. And again, you know, we've done exercise classes out here, and then the whole public sees what you're doing. We're role modeling, and they can actually find out what we're, what we're about with that. Now, you're talking about the tiger face. That's actually the tiger eye, the eye of the tiger, and we want everybody to know we're watching them everywhere we go. And so if you'll watch, those eyes follow you everywhere you go. It's the funniest thing. But uh, on all the way around the unit, they actually watch everywhere you go. It now, does. We, we, it, like it we're does. walking no, backwards. It, yeah, it totally, it, they totally it's kind of weird. Follow. It is kind of weird. Now, the, the bands on this side, one of them is the operation of the solar system. When you go somewhere in a rural community, you got to plug in you gotta, or you got to use a generator. And we have, the, we have the heat or the air conditioning, excuse me, running wide open right this minute. And that's the only sound that we're hearing. But when you have a generator running, especially on a mobile clinic, you know, they tend to bounce a little bit. The noise is a harder, makes it hard to hear with your stethoscope or just to talk to patients. Or you might need to be a little louder than what you need to with HIPAA. So we don't have to do any of that. It's totally quiet. It's completely 100% quiet because it's run on the solar operations. I would never have thought that sound was a big thing, especially with generators. I would have thought it's more solar energy would be more of an efficiency, you know, cost saving, but it's actually health specific item as well. Well, we like to think of it as a green unit in, in multiple ways. So hopefully we're not, you know, adding to the carbon load, if you will, so that we cut out using a diesel generator. We got a diesel truck that we run it everywhere we go because those last a lot longer, but we don't have to do the maintenance on a, on a generator. We don't have to listen to it. We don't have to fill it with fuel. Um, and, and we can go absolutely anywhere we want to go. In the hurricane, you know, once the hurricane's gone and the rains are gone, the sun's out, and we still have a way of making our own power if we go somewhere like that. So it's really, it's important. It was important to us for a lot of different reasons. And also, real quick, you know, we talked about migrant farms a little bit, and I think we're going to, I'm going to ask a few questions here in a second. But solar energy inside migrant farms is huge too, wouldn't you say? Because you could be out there for hours and hours and hours in the middle of a field, wouldn't you say? That was one of the reasons we did it is because what we have found with our migrant populations over the years is things have evolved and they've, and they've gone from being somebody brings them in on a truck to a central location where we are to where we actually go to the, on the field, in the fields, where they are uh, frequently because, you know, they get paid a certain way and they, they can't leave and they can't be gone for long periods of time. So we drive up in the field, they walk on the unit, get done what they need and then go right back out. So it, it increased our ability, it increased access for them, but it increased our ability to get them to feel comfortable coming because they don't have to take time off from work. That's awesome. Now, with the farming, you know, it's another thing. We're working with Clemson Extension, for example. We have a health, edu health education or a extension agent that is a health extension agent and that's kind of a new model for South Carolina and we wanted them to be a real part, big part of what we're doing on the units and so yes we have the awning out on the opposite side now of the truck and these two bins were specifically built and I'm not sure if they're unlocked so I can show you but they were specifically built that they're pull out bins and you can put food boxes in them so we've done some pilots in the state of South Carolina giving patients food boxes doing some education and seeing what it does for you know certain health parameters parameters and we're hoping to do more of that you know we have um, with the farmers you know being that whole farm to table kind of concept but but we would like to kind of think of it as all in one that we have you know we have the ability to have a, a pharmacy a pharmacy with the F right so we can we can use food 
as medicine, and we do that. We use lifestyle a lot. We talk about functional medicine and looking at a patient's ability to take care of themselves. So food is important to us. Physical activity is important to us. Stress management is important to us. We try to teach all of that to the patients while they're waiting on other services and just kind of inter- interplay that with everything that we do. This is awesome. This is very cool. Really cool. Now, that's most of this stuff on the outside. <laughs> I, I would like, do you want to be my we're walking around back, and I think she's going to take us up the steps inside. You're going to love the sign. So this is our in, indoor and our outdoor, and obviously it doesn't really matter. But on the other side, we have the same. We want people to know that we're multicultural and that we are welcoming to all cultures. And so we have, we have welcome written in. So tell me the different languages that are right here that you know of. It's I would love to, but I can't. because So we have Spanish, we have French, we have Chinese, we have... Japanese, and from there, I can't remember what all the rest of them are. Our Arabic, um, it's, yeah, it's kind of crazy. Wow, this is very cool. So, when you come onto the unit, the first thing, you know, you notice is, again, the only thing you're hearing right now is the air conditioning, because it's 90 degrees and humid outside. But it feels better in here, doesn't it, it than, does. it did, than it actually did outside. So, under, today, we have the walls, we have a tour going on, so we kind of have the walls pulled out. So, this is another industry, is not an industry standard, this is brand new. She's actually patenting this, these walls, um, or some kind of, of um, adjustable wall. So, they fold all the way up against the wall, and all the equipment can be put over here, so that you can use it as a one big, large space. Or, what you're looking at right now, this is, is actually on a piano hinge, too. So, the walls can swing in any direction and in any combination. You can put one wall up and have, you know, a large room or two large rooms, anything you absolutely want to do. So, that's pretty amazing. So, real quick, we're we're standing inside at the back of the, uh, the mobile health unit. We are probably standing in the extension of it. And... I would say this whole room is roughly probably about 50 feet by about 20 feet, maybe. So 23 feet long. Okay, so 23 feet, I'm really bad. 20 foot slide out. 20 foot slide out. Right, and then that's the question. So what's the length of a, a the, the length of a highway, of uh, a lane? That's what we've got over here, because you've got gotcha. to fit going down the road. That makes sense. And then, I forgot what this extension is, but I'd say about six feet. So it's probably, for an average person, this is probably the size of a living room. And I would say that it's right now, as she was describing, it's split up into one, two, three, four partitions with these piano-style partitions. And each one has an examination area that we would traditionally see like an ED or uh, other um, doctor's offices where you have blood pressure uh and all the different triage related stuff. So kind of walk us through why you have everything that we've got right here. Why we have it like it is. So let's start right here. So we need, one of the things that's hard about a mobile clinic is upkeep, right? And doing all the little things that you have to do. So we didn't want to, going to a dump station regularly just to take care of the waste products is a pain. It also, when you overfill those tanks and you're going down the road, it, it alters your gas mileage, your fuel mileage. It alters, you know, all of the things it, the weight of it and how it drives the drivability. Did you find him? There's a big group of students coming at 11. Right now you're good. Thank you so much. So what she found for us was an incinerator toilet like they have on an airplane, for example, right? So we have a diesel incinerator toilet that does run off the same diesel fuel, the same tank, um, that incinerates everything. And we don't have, that. that is added work that we don't have to do, right? 
So it's just a beautiful way to take care of that. So that's in this area. This is the area. This is the intake area when we're getting ready to see a patient. So they might want to get us a urine specimen, obviously, we have it close by. Then we have, you know, the um, immunization refrigerator so that we, we can carry things with us and that be safe. And it runs, it runs directly off our solar batteries so we don't have to worry about it ever being off. We have our sink area, our workspaces, and then all of our electronics are up here. We have, we have the ability to, to turn this on and watch what's going on outside the unit too. So that when we're closed up in here and we're busy and we're in, in a farm field or somewhere and we're there late at night, we don't have to quit quite so paranoid. And an alarm system too that we can set to keep, keep things going. So, and then this is our, our area where we do labs and intake blood pressures and all that kind of thing. So this is our first room that's always here. And this is a room that we can create with one of our walls. This slide out actually has, has one of the telescoping walls that we can open and we can make this into two rooms. Oh. So typically what we do is, you know, we're our teaching facility, we're land grant, so we're teaching community service and research. So we typically, we always have students with us. So we're working over there with our students and we can do that in a, in a nice quiet environment. And then over here we can be working with other patients or have a waiting area or, or be doing some intake over here also. Now, how do you do that on a mobile clinic? Sometimes it's very difficult, the walls are thin. They have to be thin, right? So what they developed was kind of interesting is this is soundboard that is in these walls and it absorbs the sound. So if you walk up to it and you speak into it, it actually absorbs your sound, you can hear it. Why is that so important uh, inside of a mobile clinic? Because we are HIPAA compliant. We wanna be you know, careful about what the questions that we ask sometimes are very personal and nobody wants to to give that kind of information if they think somebody, if they're being heard. We have a lot of cultural differences that people have to deal with. And, you know, our migrant workers are, they're an at-risk population. And it's very hard for them to answer some of our questions and feel good about it. And so we want to make sure that they're protected in every way possible. Well, real quick, let me ask you a question about that is, so if you're on a migrant farm, typically, you know, you have a clinician that's going to be working with an individual, um, then you're going to have a translator. So space is important because you've got to have three or four people in a space as opposed to a one-on-one. And so that translation sometimes can, the, the volume can go up and down and trying to decipher. So it really, to me, it makes perfect sense why this was designed that way. Right, that was critically important. Two things we did with that, of course, half of our staff are bilingual, which cuts down on some of that that we have to have. And then we have we have a train the trainer. We have a, a physician in Mexico moved to the States. You know, everybody thinks that people that come here are are coming here because they didn't have work where they were. Well, that's not exactly the case. And, you know, in the case of one of our workers, she was a physician, moved here with her husband because he was a pastor and he came here to try to help people that were here. And couldn't work as a physician because of the regulations in our in our country. So she's phenomenal and she has learned to train people how to interpret and how to how to do medical translation and so that it's word for word, verbatim, exactly what the patient said and that there's no room for as little room for error as possible. You know, and and again, we're worried about HIPAA and we want to make sure that we're we're protecting people's privacy in addition. So that's kind of where we are with that one. Very cool. What else we got? 
So we, the exam, we're all the way down to the exam bed. So if you'll notice, that's a chair. It's an exam chair. So it can be used as a chair. We can sit in it when we're doing a class. And then it folds all the way down and makes a, a perfectly comfortable exam bed, which is really phenomenal. It takes up less space this way. I mean, look how much space it doesn't take up right, right. now. And you'll notice the thing that the bolts in the floor, and this is how we bolt them down when we're driving down the road, so that we can move it and do different configurations. So really, really easy and simple, which makes it really great. So we have exam room one, exam room two, and then exam room three. So there are different sizes, and we have to be careful with some of them than with the others, right, to what, what kind of services that we might specifically be wanting to do. Or if we have somebody that needs a little more space for some reason, we can close one of these walls up. These, these are telescoping walls, but they also in the center have the piano hinge, and we can turn that in any way configuration we want so that we can make it the right size room for what we need to be. So we can right size everything that we need to be doing here. So this is how many years in the making? Well, yeah, that was a kind of, it was hard to explain to our legislators what was taking us so long. So we, we stayed in, in contact with them regularly um, because it was a process. You know, we never thought we would get a dream. We never thought, we, we thought we were going to go with something really small, make sure, we, we know we need something to go to individual place homes or to do smaller groups of people. And we were kind of looking for something like that. And when the opportunity came that we had the financial support to do it, we said, and we found a manufacturer that would do it for a reasonable price, a re very reasonable price, um, then we were, you know, we were just fortunate to be able to get a dream. So it took us two years. From the time we found out about the funding to the time we worked through all the details till they got it built and delivered it, it took two years to get it here. Now a quick break to ask you for your help. Did you know Intersection Podcast is part of a network of shows, and we're looking for your feedback? We would appreciate your help if you could take a few minutes to fill out a short listener survey. Go to survey.intersectionpodcast.com. That is survey.intersectionpodcast.com. We hope you'll share your experience. Hi there, this is Bobby again. We need your help. If you like Intersection, we'd really appreciate you taking a moment to leave us a review. Whether you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or Stitcher, please take a moment to leave a review. This is important because it helps others find our show. Thank you so much for your help. I remember when I was in graduate school here at Clemson, that was, what, 17 years ago, 18 years ago, um, my... Uh, graduate school partner in crime, um, Jacob Barker, was doing a project with y'all, and he was creating um, translation posters. Yes. And but at the time, y'all had another mobile clinic, and so you talked about building upon success each time. And so I even asked the question: This is a long time coming, but you have had many iterations, and you've learned along the way. So, did the initial need? Is it still the same as it was 20 some odd years ago when you had the first one? Or, is, or is it, has things evolved so much with the demands of what we are experiencing here in South Carolina? Well, I'd say there are several things that you have to take into consideration. Of course, the world's changed. Um, I would say that it, it, there's always going to be underserved populations and those people that need your help. But it seems like it's almost even worse than it's ever been. Um, and when I first started in this 20, you know, 20 something years ago, the, again, the clinic started 28 years ago and I came on board shortly thereafter. But when I started, it was frustrating that, you know, we, we might have some 
patients would just come out of the woodwork. We'd pull up to the migrant farm, and they'd, they'd bring them by the truckload, and we would just have so many people to take care of, and we didn't have the resources. We didn't have the people, the manpower. We didn't have the facility. The, you know, the mobile clinic was wonderful, and we were glad to have it. You know, it was the best we had at the time, but it, was, it had so many limitations, and, but we didn't have the money. And then all of a sudden we went through this time period where we had some different kinds of funding coming in, and, and I call it the diversified portfolio, right? So that's kind of what I've been working on the whole time I've been here is we've got to find multiple streams because one stream will go away and then you're just left with nothing. And you, you just don't want to leave those people once you've built those relationships and they trust you in a community. So we, we would build that kind of relationship and then have to stop. So we've, we found different ways to fund different kinds of things. And when we did that, it's like we've almost had a turn. So now to get people to come is another thing. They, there are so many barriers, so many things they're worried about. Are, are, and you know, quite frankly, people are worried about eating and living inside. They're not worried about their health. And I, I hate that. I wish that wasn't exactly the case. So a lot of places we go, you know, they may feel like they just, they're not sick right now. That's a medical model, and that we're trying to change that. So our evolution has been that we want to shift that model and that thinking, and we want to, we want to do more self-care, more uh, chronic disease prevention, rather than taking care of somebody, the medical model of taking care of them when they're sick. And that's what we kind of have built to. The other thing that's happened, obviously, is technology. When I first started in this field, we carried boxes with charts everywhere we went. And that was physically exhausting, besides the fact that there's all kinds of things that can go wrong with that. I mean, with HIPAA today, you definitely don't want to be walking around with somebody's personal health information in a box. So, you know, over the years, we've, we've had that that capability at first it was sketchy and it was really difficult and we literally would go into communities and we'd be like green acres we'd have a, a box that we'd plug into so that we could get to the phone system and, and get to our electronic record or, or whatever it is we needed to do and, and you know here we are now in 2018 and we just received a connectivity grant to help us and we hope you know we hope we have a partnership with MUSC and to have telehealth and there's just so many things that you can do now to try to help people. I look at this mobile health unit real quick, and I think about, uh, you know that I've spent a lot of time on the border. You know that I, as a journalist, I covered lots of immigration issues. You know I've been traveled with many people coming to America. I've crossed the border with them. I've spent time with them. Um, last year, I went to McAllen, Texas, where that has been a part of a central part of this national debate. And we visited with um, many different ministries down there, Buckner Ministries. And one of the things that reaffirmed to me is that um, there is a group of people down there that need help. But we in South Carolina think that we are distant from that. We, we're kind of isolated in our little southern area. But we forget that there are many people that are coming across in McAllen, Texas, and coming up to the Carolinas to work in these farms. And you combine that with there are over 250,000 people in South Carolina without access to health care. They don't have access to insurance. They overflow the EDs. They don't have good quality education. Do you think that this mobile unit is kind of that opportunity to not only help these people but educate these people the South Carolinians about this these populations in need talk about that health education a little bit or is it are you more focused on we just want to help people and just get in there and do the good work 
talk a little bit about uh, those intersections. Well, they're, they're probably, you're probably absolutely correct. It probably is a little of both. We have that, you know, that mission that we want to do something a little different. Our mobile manufacturer does a lot of international work. And when she came to us, she said, you know, how many people do you plan to see in a day? I mean, she asked us all the simple questions about how we operated and where we went and what kind of patients we saw and what kind of services we needed to provide. And, and so we found out, you know, they go into a village, you know, overseas. They take seven, eight different units that all have a different specialty. And they go into a village and they see 1,500 people in a day. And I mean, we'd have a heart attack if we had 50 people in a day sometimes, you know, considering what we're doing in a particular day. So one of the things that we really took away from that is that we we do a good job in South Carolina. There's ama It's amazing to me how many agencies actually exist out there that are trying to help people in need. There are uh, Just in Oconee County alone, we had, a, we had a grant one year and we were looking specifically for a so for agencies that took care of one small little population, very tiny population, we found 43 different agencies just in Oconee County that, that helped to serve that need. But the problem is, even though they try really hard to coordinate, they don't have that coordinated kind of care. Um, that's where we're lacking, right? That's what we're going to be That case management. Case management, which is what we're going to be talking about at the Mobile Health Clinic Association. We've been asked to, to speak on patient navigation and how we and care coordination and how we do those kinds of things. So there's a couple of different sides to that, right? So there is the way we got to do a better job in South Carolina of coordinating and collaborating. I do not want people to think when we drive down the road that Clemson University thinks they're it and they're the only ones that are ever going to be it. You know, I want to go and I want to pull up and I want to have seven or eight different mobile clinics at a site and I want every one of us to be there because those patients need us. And if we all go there and try to take care of them, people in people, yes, would be very surprised to know how many people in their community either that look like them or that don't. But there's lots and lots and lots of people that live that are from here that have that that problem too. And then when you add on to it the immigrants that we have and 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 different people that are migrating from different you know, there are things that go on all over the country. So some people kind of migrate in here. We had a hurricane a few years ago and we wound up with a lot of people, you know, from from New Orleans. So there's just people that come in and kind of fluctuate into this community and and we gotta be able to take care of them all. But we cannot do it alone. Nobody can do it alone. So that, to me, is the biggest thing that we've got to learn to do, is coordinate, collaborate, be a consortium. Everybody work together to try to take care of the population so you can meet all the different needs that are out there. People that are going to listen to this are not just limited to South Carolina. They're in North Carolina. They're all over Texas. We have audiences uh, in the uh, Pacific Northwest. And people are asking questions about some of the stories that we're doing you touched on something that was very important, that you did not want this clinic just to be a Clemson clinic. You wanted to make sure that everybody knew about this, that this is something that not only uh, knowledge sharing, but working with other communities to learn how to do stuff like this. Talk about, talk to the people outside of South Carolina when it comes to this clinic and what you want them to take away from it. Well, you know, when we talk about collaboration, everything is important in collaboration. But why can't it be across state lines? We all learn from each other. We're going to the Mobile Health Clinic Association meeting this weekend, and they have those regularly. They have an annual meeting 
for, for national stuff. And then they have regional meetings for mobile clinics specifically, and anybody can go to them. But it, it's, it's a way for us to all talk and say, well, what worked for you? What didn't work for you? And here, here are some examples of things that we tried, and this is how we got over that barrier. And so those are the kind of things that we have to do so that we can share that information. We meet a lot of people there. We have, some, we have a lot of partners that we talk to around the country, and you know, occasionally a grant comes up, and we, we found a way. I would love, I have talked to the University of Alabama, I would love for those two football teams to get together and say, we want to help underserved rural populations. If we can, they told us we couldn't do it. From Clemson to MUSC, that's, you know, the mountains to the sea, that's too far across a, a state. South Carolina is just too, too large. There's 46 counties. It's just too much to do. There's no way you guys can do that stuff collaboratively together. Well, yes, we can, and we figured out a way. We would love it if we could work with our partners. You know, Alabama's come and looked at our mobile clinic. Why not? You know, yes, take the rivalry to another level. Let's see if let's see who can do a better job taking care of underserved populations, or let's see if we can do it together and make something really positive out of it. We have partners and friends in Georgia. They do dental clinics and they cross state lines. And so there's ways to do those things. One of our one of our big things that we we liked to think might help others as we, we have talked to other extension agencies across the nation. We, we held a symposium here a few years ago. And you talk about extension agencies. A lot of people don't understand this is based on land grant, land grant institutions, and there's a lot of land grant institutions across the country. So you talk to other ex extension agencies a lot in those land grant institutions. Yes, is that correct? Did. Yes, we did. We brought you know some of the experts in here to again to, to collaborate to get the ideas. What worked for you? What were your barriers? And trying to decide you know how could we use extension in a different way? So extensions got a wonderful uh, relationship in the community, and again, that's what we found has been. So so critical. Anywhere we go, we have to have a community champion. If we don't have a community champion that can get in there and get the trust built before we get there, we're not going to have patients when we get there. Plus, they got to make those relationships with the providers that are local because we're only there to help. We are not there to replace their current, their local current provider, and we need somewhere to tie those people in. That's what we're trying to do. So in order to make all those kind of things work, you got to have those community champions, and that's one of the ways we've been able to do that. Clemson Extension has gone from agriculture is wonderful because, again, we use nutrition. We use food as medicine. And so that's been a wonderful component, but now that they're branching out and they're doing health extension, then it gives us that another way for Clemson visibility, for our brand to be seen. Oh, well, I, I'm familiar with my Cle local Clemson Extension office, and I trust them, and here comes their, their truck, and this, this sounds like a good thing. So it's a way for us to get into those communities. Nationally, we can do the same thing, right? We all can, we all can find a way to do that. Thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoyed the conversation and exploration. Most importantly, the many intersections inside the world of storytelling. Intersection is powered by the Touchpoint Media Network, a podcast dedicated to discussions on all things healthcare. Go to touchpoint.health for many other podcasts exploring digital marketing and online patient engagement strategies, CIO and technology strategies, the challenges of the online physician, the power of the e-patient, and most importantly, the power of storytelling. To learn more, go to touchpoint.health. That is touchpoint.health.